0: Welcome, everyone, to the second episode of this podcast. Um, again, podcast if you even want to call it that, but uh, we're going to see how much momentum we, we can uh, get going with, with this sort of uh, interview-style questionnaire and bringing on some people. But um, in the second episode, we're going to be interviewing Kyle McEachran. He is one of my best friends out here in Seattle. And best way I can describe Kyle is that he just has an – a zest and zeal to life, um, just the way he interacts with people, the way he uh, looks to sort of improve um, throughout his daily life is uh, pretty awesome to be around. And uh, rather than me kind of rambling on anymore, I, I think I'll just uh, let you guys take a listen, be a fly on the wall in our conversation and uh, get it going. What's poppin'?
1: Brand new whip to just hopped in. Pull. I got oh, well, options. I can amazing pass amazing that bitch Falcon like Stockton. <laughs> Just Joshin. I'm spending this holiday logged in. My body got rid of them toxins. Spoisin the top 10. I can put the ball in the end zone, put a bad bitch in the friend zone. This shit sound like an intro jetson, give me that tempo.
0: To all my thousands and hundreds of thousands of listeners right now. I'm just trying to be modest, you know, after one podcast really gets you yeah. Kyle is a dear friend of mine, but also someone who within his own career has really kind of uh made a name for himself. At least in my book, he's shaking his head no, but uh, he's worked at some, some pretty uh, notable companies, two of which I'm sure you guys have heard of. They're uh, the Googs, Google, which is where he's currently at, and uh, the Soft. He's a Softie as well. He spent four plus years there. Uh, so I wanted to dive in a little bit into... Sorry, what's the Soft for the listeners? Oh, sorry, Microsoft. Yeah, Microsoft. <laughs> Macro hard. Uh, so I just wanted to dive into a little bit how he how got there. Um, I think he has a unique approach and perspective on how he attacks, like his day-to-day life, um, how he thinks about being prepared, and everything like that. In terms of when it comes to work, when it comes to relationships, uh, so hopefully, just wanted to kind of get his his perspective on things, and also just have like a pretty informal conversation because we could honestly do this for for hours. Um, I feel like when we already chat, it's it's already
1: podcast material every time.
0: We absolutely. Just- so, we just shoot the shit. Oh, yeah, we absolutely shoot the shit. So this will just be like another sort of, uh, I guess, run through. Um, but to start out quickly, want to bring it to hopefully they can get a little insight into, you know, your daily life on a more fun, lo- loving way. <laughs> so give the people a little bit insight as to
1: best show you've watched in the last two months in quarantine. In the last two months in quarantine? Yeah quarantine does offer a lot of time to watch the shows um, the best show I, I'd say is probably Ozark and uh, it's it's I feel like it's kind of a kind of a cop-out because everyone's watching it but uh, it's amazing and there's a reason why everyone's really watching it it's got a great storyline and it's freaking weird and it's uh, it's well done
0: yeah my mom is gonna be' uh... She's gonna be pumping her fist at this one because she told me the other day she watches Ozark and mm-hmm. she finished it and she said, Everyone who is anyone is watching <laughs> Ozark. Well, Amy's laying down so, the law. Yeah, here. she's laying down the law here. Um, but I would agree with you. I, I watched the the end of season three. Absolutely incredible. Uh, anyone who hasn't done it, I would watch it. So But any- I'm surprised you haven't I'm surprised you didn't say the last dance. I'm not gonna lie.
1: Uh, you're right, it's The Last Dance. <laughs> uh, I was thinking like, I was thinking Netflix and, uh, and uh, those yeah. streaming services, but by far, The Last Dance has been, uh, dude, so incredible. It's almost like, if you're a Muslim, you, you go to Mecca, right? You, you go to your Mecca. If you are a pizza lover, you go to Italy. Okay, Ooh, I thought you were going to say New York. And if you and if you're an Instagram influencer, you go to Greece. But if you're a freaking basketball fan, okay, you watch The Last Dance. Uh, so it is the mecca of all hoopers. So I, I take that back. I, I responded too quickly. I mean, Ozark is dope cheese, but it's nothing. It's, it's got nothing on The Last Dance.
0: Yeah, in terms of basketball, it's it's got to be one of the best documentaries out there. Um. Other than, the, I think, like, the 30 for 30 they did on the Dream Team.
1: Yeah, that was
0: dope. Um, but the last – the, the behind-the-scenes with Kobe is awesome. It's amazing. You can kind of see how he's even, like, humbled at, like, 19 or 20 when you see him, Michael, and, like, I don't know. To, and then for Kobe to become Kobe and then he's being interviewed. The whole – that whole, like, dynamic is just uh, – all those, like, little behind-the-scenes, I think, are yeah. unbelievable.
1: I liked it when they're – the behind-the-scenes when um, – I think it was the All-Star game of, like, 98 or something. Yeah, that's what I'm and, talking about. And they, the cameras are in the East All-Star locker room. And they're, like, they're talking about they're talking about the other side, the West All-Stars. And MJ refers to Kobe and to Shaq as them Laker boys. And then he starts talking about uh, Kobe's uh, approach to the game, which is uh, arguably a little different than MJ's. He's like, he, he doesn't let the game come to him. He just goes out and gets the game. You know, right. something like that. Uh, so it's cool to cool to see that, especially with his Kobe's death recently. I was, it's it's like I know I was really hyped to uh, to watch it because I saw on Twitter that there there's going to be some new Kobe footage. Right. Uh, but yeah, Last Dance is incredible. You know, a docu series is incredible when I'm when I'm literally slapping the couch <laughs> as hard as I can because I'm so freaking fired up and inspired. Yeah. Uh,
0: well, that's going to be tonight. The finale's tonight. Yeah. Yeah. So i may have to change my panties
1: a couple of times tonight. How excited I'm going to get. <laughs>
0: yeah, it's going to be pretty special. So um, I'm looking forward to it. But in terms of, like, I know we kind of were talking before about, like, his his drive. And we can kind of loop in this sort of competitiveness. Because you and I are both pretty competitive people. And I feel like when it comes to him being able to flip the switch, it's... He's able to do it like mentally and physically at the same time. And when it comes to us, a lot of times, I guess, we can transition a little bit to work. But you don't always get to flip the switch physically.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But you kind of have to flip the switch mentally and be able to like kind of compartmentalize. And um, so I just was, I mean, I guess I kind of want you to talk a little bit about and share. You can talk either in quarantine, about quarantine life, or you can talk about, I guess, just sort of your own approach to like how you kind of think about work and when you kind of flip the switch and things like that. But, um, I'll let you kind of run with that if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, it, I think it does. Um, the competitive nature at work is, is so, it's so, much, it's so different. Oh, sorry, sorry. sorry real quick.
0: Things. Tell, tell everyone what you like, what your role is, what your title is and kind of like your,
1: the space you're in. Cause you're okay. someone in sales, I'm in sales. Yeah. Okay. So, at Google, or as I like to call it, the Googs, uh, I am an account manager. Uh, and so what that means is my job is to uh, increase the ad spend of my advertisers. Uh, and so the three accounts that I manage are Brand Expedia, Hotels.com, and now Hotwire. And so um, I'm trying to increase their ad spend via video advertising specifically. Um, okay, so back to the competitive piece. Is that, is that what we were talking yeah. about? Um, it's, it's interesting because, I mean, my whole life, I've, I've, I've seen myself be the most competitive on the sports field or the sports arena, right? Whether it was like Little League and, you know, my buddies were making the all-star Little League team and I, and I wanted to or um, whether it was just like in soccer, you know, my buddy scored a goal. I wanted to score eight goals. And so everything was physical. Everything was a physical competition, but like at work, man, it's tough because uh, the competitive the, that competitiveness is still there, but uh, it's weird to be applying it not physically, right? Not in the sports world, but through yeah. through uh, perhaps the phones or some some keyboard computer stuff. Right. No, I would I would agree with that,
0: and I and I, that's something I noticed too because it's like during basketball, you know, if someone says something to you or. Um, you know, you see people scoring or someone's getting a certain amount of like recognition or another team is winning. It's like, for me, it's a little bit easier to turn it on physically and be like, okay, like I have to like step it up within the, within the lines of like the game or whatever um, and try and get myself going. But some, I don't know if I've like actually figured it out mentally when it comes to work. I mean, like you're, you're in a different sort of sales role where you're kind of managing the accounts and trying to get them to spend more. I'm sort of in like that lead generation sales role where you're, you know, yeah, you're kind of fishing for clients, you're cold calling, you're emailing. Um, and so you're able to see other people's metrics in terms of calls, personal activities, you know, sort of leads that they generate, and you're kind of competing in that regard. Yeah, But it's it's just a little bit of a different mindset. So
1: it's pretty easy, like on the basketball court, if someone starts talking shit, this guy can't guard me, you know, that gets you fired up and exactly. boom, your competitive juices flare up. And like, as an athlete, it's so easy to just turn the knob up and just start uh, acting quicker, perhaps uh, dialing it up physically. I don't know what else that means in basketball, perhaps just like, you know what to do, right? Yeah. And I think that brings me to the point of like,
0: you and I speak all the time, right? I mean, we, I remember last year you were going through this application process or sort of like the transition from, from Microsoft to Google. It was about a year ago, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And we can get to the get to some of the things that really stick out in my mind from our conversations on that, in terms of like going through that interview process. But before, well, after that was really sort of I guess what I'm what I'm speaking of, and like you, I remember there were certain weekends you're like, hey, I just want to make sure I am like fully fully aware of every single aspect of this job when it comes to Google. Like I'm going to go and, and listen to different sort of um, leadership talks, or like uh, I'm going to go do certain curriculum or courses on Google that they offer. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, you know what they're called. I, I don't necessarily know what they're called. But um, but that sort of like competitiveness, I think, is awesome to see from someone outside of basketball, mm-hmm. at least for myself. And obviously, that it kind of drives me. I'm like, okay, wait, wait, wait. What can I do in my role? Mm-hmm. Or like, what am I not doing? Mm-hmm. Um, but can you kind of like speak to that in terms of like kind of diving in, giving that full sort of... Yeah, it's
1: uh, it's funny because um, that uh, you're you're labeling it as competitiveness, which which uh, I'll take I'll take any day of the week. But in reality, that was fear. Like that was <laughs> <laughs> I, that was me joining this new job at this new company, and being absolutely it's just like scared of like not know like walking into work on Monday, and then being like. Oh, what's the smish? And i and me sitting there being like sweating my butt off, being like I have no idea what smish is. So it was more like that uh, that initial like studying, I would say, it was more like fear induced. Yeah. Um, but then again, like there's there's so many different like motivators to to get you to to kind of go above and beyond what you're supposed to be doing, I guess. Uh, So fear is like one motivator, and like you know, there's million competitiveness as as we're talking about.
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess competitiveness was the way I was terming it, labeling it. But the other thing I guess I would also say is like competitiveness in the sense like you're trying to improve, like you're Mm -hmm. always trying to get to like the next step. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I guess maybe the maybe the term really is more so improvement. Mm -hmm. But it's interesting that you bring up fear, (laughs) and I know I know I have you sitting here, and we're obviously talking about your sort of role, but. Uh, something I got to bring up in terms of fear is I remember my job on the Nets. Uh, Sean, when You were playing. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 10 <A> day contract. <laughs> um, no, I, so when I was working in the front office for Sean, Sean said that he was sharing the story about how uh, Greg Popovich, uh, he was telling the story about how Greg Popovich basically came in after a loss and told Tim Duncan or whatever, that, he was going to, like, cuss him out in his film room. And and Tim Duncan, you know, Hall of Fame player, basically had just gone for, like, 20 and 20 the night before.
1: Yeah.
0: But so he cusses out the team, and he's cussing out Tim. And, uh, and like, basically everyone walks out of there like, holy shit. Like, they Popovich just got on a guy who went 20, 20 and 20, yeah. did everything he possibly could, and we still lost, and he gets cussed out for, like, missing one rebound or whatever. Yeah. And so everyone walked out of there with what Sean called was appropriate fear. Hmm. And so he would kind of use that as a way to like, we have to have appropriate fear of like getting stuck in the doldrums, like not improving, everything like that. And that's what kind of drove our discussions. And it sounds like very similar to what you're talking about in terms of, you know, making sure you're there for the team, right? Yeah. Making sure you aren't the weakest link. So
1: that's scary shit, you know, at work or on the court. You don't (laughs) want to be the weakest link. (laughs) I mean, yeah, I, I look, I got work to do after this. Honestly, it's a Sunday. I'm not just saying that for the for the pod. I'm, I'm literally yeah. saying that because uh, I feel behind. Uh, and again, that's fear as the motivator. Appropriate fear is the motivator. Yeah. Uh, there's there's other types, but goddamn, that's that one's a strong one.
0: For sure. Well, <laughs> moving. Ba- I know we're kind of like timeline wise, we're going backwards, uh, which maybe is a terrible thing on my part. <laughs> <laughs> this is the storytelling <laughs> here. But uh, before. You know, I, I give you credit. I know you always give credit to the person who you'll, the Instagram founder, what's his name? Uh, um, I don't I don't know his name. Well. We'll just call him the Instagram founder. <laughs> Instagram founder, but you, you always, like, credit him for, like, a certain quote about preparedness. Oh, yeah. Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah, I love this quote. And I want you to say it, because I feel like you know it off the top of your head. But I don't remember <laughs> it off the top of my head. But it's something you kind of use in terms of, Preparing for the Google thing and something you share with me.
1: Yeah. What is it? Do you know what it is. <laughs> yeah, of course. So.
0: Um, <laughs> just leave me out. <laughs> I just wanted you to keep rolling,
1: keep keep talking your monologue. Uh, the quote is. Uh, the quote is. You have to be aware enough to realize that luck is hitting you. You have to be talented enough to act on that luck, and then you have to be disciplined or, let's say, determined enough to to keep pursuing that luck. And the reason why I love that quote um, is because, look, we we all get lucky in so many different ways. I mean, whether it's as minuscule as, like, finding a dollar in your jeans pocket or something, or... um, Meeting a, a random connection at the whack that works at High Spot, um, right? You know, luck hits us in so many different ways, and uh, it's I think those who are successful uh, do those practice those three traits as it relates to that quote, which is like, be aware, be talented, and be determined or disciplined uh, on that luck.
0: Yeah. See, he what he's also not telling you is that he had about. A twenty-page, thirty-page write-up in terms of becoming prepared for a Google interview, (laughs) right? I mean, like no, like that. But that's like serious commitment. That's like serious sort of. um, It's also a serious psychopath. Well, yeah, that's true. That's true. No, but it it, it helps you kind of understand, you know, what it takes. At least for me, it it it, when you when you share that and send that to me, I'm like, oh my gosh, all right. Like, what what else could I be doing? Um. And I think that's really cool. And just in terms of like, you know, we might just be like your average old white 25 year old kind of guys, but how are we going to stand out? Right. Like how, like, what can we do to get better? What, how do we actually market ourselves? And your like approach to per, like being prepared, I think is one that I take away. And I don't know if you've shared this with other people. I don't know if they ever kind of like learned something from them, but, um, but yeah, that that was just something that you know I wanted to share and kind because you're too humble to say or you know to, to admit that. But um, 20 pages is is 20 30 pages of just notes on a company and of how to prepare is for an interview is like pretty impressive. Yeah, I mean, for one interview. <laughs> look, okay, if I'm, um,
1: you're just gonna chalk it up to psychopath <laughs> <tendencies>? <laughs> God, I don't want to do that. Um, okay, couple things. First thing. I'm not the smartest guy in the world, and uh, look, I need to make up for it in some some other type of way. Uh, and the way that I kind of bring myself to the to the evil even playing field of everyone else is preparing and like using that time to uh, to make myself, as you say, like stand out. Um, but it's also important to note in this in this particular story of this uh, of this uh, preparation for this job interview is like, look, I I didn't get the jobs the first time around, at Microsoft, I failed that first job interview, I didn't get it, and then also at Google, I failed that first interview, didn't get it. So it's like, the preparation is both uh, a proactive measure of like trying to prepare and trying to. Uh, um, get all my thoughts down on the page and then it's also a reactive measure and that I didn't get I didn't get the job as the first time coming. And so uh, it's important to uh, <laughs> yeah.
0: And so, I mean, I don't know if people, if some of your buddies from from college or just like friends around you know in your circle ever kind of hit you up and ask you for advice, Um, but I had one of my, when I was a senior, um, I had a buddy of mine named Jimmy who was a freshman on my, on, at NYU when I was playing and he's just now graduating Mm -hmm. and he came and started asking me about, you know, how to get a job, which, which positions to go after. And I guess in a weird way, that's also like, kind of like why I'm trying to ask these questions too. Cause like, what would you say, like. If someone's coming right out of college, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you, you got to start at Microsoft, an mm-hmm. amazing company, like a trillion dollar company, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Now you're working at another trillion dollar company <laughs> <at> Google. <laughs> not many people can say that. Um, and not many people get a job at a, at a major company like that right out of the gate. So, like, do you have any words of wisdom? Maybe it's just being about, maybe it's about being a psychopath. I don't know. <laughs> but,
1: but, like, or is there anything that kind of comes to mind? I'm a very fortunate man. Um, I mean, going back as far as I can remember, uh, I just, I was fortunate enough to have amazing role models in my life. Like my grandpa, grandpa's name is spike. That always, that always catches, uh, <laughs> some attention, uh, amazing role model. My dad, his name is Sean. And, uh, and outside of the role models, I'd say it was like these random lucky things came into my life that I can't I can't explain or I can't take credit for, but that helped me along the way. Um, and, and and in addition to and to these to these little Easter eggs, as we'll call them, these these Easter eggs of fortune or luck, as we'll call them, uh, I just spent a lot of time thinking um, about what I wanted and like what my future holds. And that's just a lot of like reflection and like asking questions. And I don't mean to make this too deep, but, um, you know, I, I'm always just like, as you are just pretty aware of, of what's happening and trying to just like get better and see, see what, what the road lies ahead. Um, you know, and I don't coming out of school, I wanted to, make all the money and I wanted to work at a well-known company. And so that that yeah, that's just what I wanted. I was just doing that by looking ahead and trying to kind of be prepared again. Absolutely. But don't get me wrong, in college I was just a I was a, <laughs> it's kind of a shithead. I drank a lot. <laughs> I, I I did as much as I as little as I possibly could to get a 3.0. Uh, I ended up graduating with a 3.016 <laughs> um, and uh and yeah I had my I had my good times so did you ever
0: kind of like I mean you never told me your GPA or kind of never you've told me stories about you in college but like I mean did you ever kind of like flip did you flip the switch in like senior year to kind of get ready for for job interviews I mean I guess senior year is probably pretty fun but yeah um, like, walk me through your college life, because I know you went from, we, again, we're going backwards in time, yeah. uh, but you and I, that's really how we met, right? It was around basketball, and you mm-hmm. mentioned that you played basketball at Whitworth um, your first two years. Floater. Floater. <laughs> uh, the backstory behind floater was, uh, that's ex- the exact way. First word. The first word Kyle ever said to me. He just walked <laughs> up, did a little floater motion. Didn't even shake my hand. <laughs> this is at his party, mind you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'm just thinking to myself, who is this guy? <laughs> who does he think he is? Did, just, did I have fog salad, too, at that point? Oh, yeah. You had, no, actually, you had just cut it. Because oh, okay. everyone kept coming up to you saying, oh, my gosh, look at your haircut.
1: <sighs> okay, so I was this random drunk duder who comes up on to solstice, you. On solstice. Which makes sense solstice. why we were drunk. Just yelling, floater! <laughs> Okay. All right. So cue the hate from day one. I can see it. I can smell
0: it. (laughs) But no, I mean, that's like basketball. I feel like is where a lot of my friends have come, but we were speaking to a guest of like college, right? Like, Mm -hmm. like what was your college experience like when it came to basketball? Mm, We don't even have to get in terms of you flipping the switch to, to grad life or, you know, a job that kind of gets boring after a while, but like, Tell me about your tell me about some basketball stories. Some basketball stories. Because I can see here on Max Prep you're ranked 155.
1: <laughs> in the state of Washington.
0: <laughs> That's brutal. Coming out
1: of high <laughs> let's widen the scope. Let's say 155 out of uh, the world ranking. Let's, let's see
0: that. <laughs> There we go. Um, and if you guys are wondering, uh, the national rank for Kyle McEachern was 7,400. <laughs> look, I don't know how they're
1: coming up with that algorithm. I have I think no just, idea. They're picking either. random numbers. I have no idea. But I did look up myself, though. And what were you?
0: I was, uh, I screenshotted it. Let's see. Oh, sorry. Just tweeted. I was, uh, 3,059 in the nation Damn. and 68 in the state.
1: Hey. Hey. Good, big old Joe Timmons, big red.
0: Yeah, I just wanted to one up Kyle on. <laughs> just wanted to make sure yeah, he knew who was boss on this podcast. That's more than a one. We're my millions of listeners. <laughs> well, shout out Ed and Amy Timmons. Who's going? We're going to be giggling. Yeah, up this yeah, yeah. Amy's going to be
1: Ellen Naomi. <laughs> Uh Some basketball stories. Man, I don't have many basketball stories in college because uh, I didn't play much. <laughs> <laughs> I was a walk-on who, as I walked into Whitworth's campus my freshman year, I could not shoot a three. That's a true story. Do you know Lucas Peterson? My buddy, I call him Domer. (laughs) He's he's played with the Loggers a couple times. I think so, yeah. Great shooter. uh, Great passer. Great passer. Um, And uh, so he, he and I went to Whitworth together. And he was also trying to walk on. So it was nice having, having a buddy to do it with and kind of train with and kind of go through the, the motion with. Um, so we, I remember we, we went to Graves Auditorium. And Graves is just this old gym that's probably over 100 and let's say over 120 years old. Right? You walk in and like as you're walking across the court, with every step you hear it like creaking and right. like... Uh, and you can see, like, there's holes kind of, like, probably in the court and in the wall. And that, that ended up being our, our practice gym. <laughs> <laughs> wait, 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 For you walk-ons or for, for the, team. the team? Yeah. For oh, the for team. the team. Yeah. But so fr- freshman year, Lucas and I walked into that court and we, we started to train. And, like, we, we were somewhat familiar with each other's games because he went to Bear Creek, which is uh, in Redmond. And it's a, it's a small private school as well. So we, we played against each other in high school. In fact, I, I hated the kid uh, because he'd shoot his jumpers and he'd be smiling the whole time. I'm like, you son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we walk into this old creaky gym, and um, we start off by saying, well, let's let's just do the classic like three point shooting drill, which is make five, make five at all five think, spots yeah. around the around the arc. And so he, gets, he, gets, he finishes, and he does it pretty quickly because he's a shooter. And it's my turn, and Joe, I airball the first three shots. Um, like you weren't reaching the rim? I wasn't reaching the rim. Like strength-wise? Yeah. And. Uh, what were they feeding you at? You <laughs> bet <breath>, nothing? <laughs> Apparently, man. They, I mean, it, it took me so long to finish the first five from the first spot that I was truly embarrassed to keep going. And I remember thinking, like, frick, like... You can curse on this podcast. I, I, I guess I already have. <laughs> like, like, I expect myself to walk on to a college basketball team, and yet I can't get the ball to the rim. From 19 feet up. From, is that, is that the distance? Something like that, yeah. Or something. So that was pretty embarrassing and uh, that that's a good – that's like a, a funny story that I like to, re- to like look back on and just know that. A little like, bit of fear in there. To, to, again, a little bit of fear. You, the fear keeps coming up in different ways but like – It's a good motivator. It's, it's a good motivator. <laughs> um, and so that's a good story. Um, I ended up making the team and uh, – How many months – like how many
0: months were there between when you were airballing <laughs> until when you made the team? Like, had you by the time you made the team, were you hitting
1: the rim? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, built up strength. I, I hope so. Um, <laughs> well, let's let's think about this. I don't know the answer to that. You're you probably probably coming in that. like August. So right? yeah, we come in in like yeah probably end of August. End of August, early September, classic school year, and then, right, and then we probably like
0: six weeks till October fifteenth. because October fifteenth? October 15th. Is always the day. Yeah, yeah So yeah. you probably
1: have like six to eight weeks. Yeah, six to eight weeks, and. And the reason why I couldn't get it to the rim in the first place was that it was because I played a big man at my tiny 1A high school. Gotcha. Okay. And I wasn't okay. allowed to shoot threes. If I caught the ball in the perimeter, my coach was like, what are you doing? Get your ass back in the paint! <laughs> so I wasn't allowed. It's almost like uh, like when a dog is off its leash and it, and it gets to roam freely and the owner is kind of freaking out and is a little nervous. Like, get back on the leash! That was me when I was on the I was on the edge of the court. I was a free range doggo, uh, and so that's yeah. why that kind of explains why I couldn't shoot threes So you have been I like couldn't a center to a guard exactly, and yeah. I couldn't dribble, Joe. That's why I'm so good in the Dude, post. This explains this 155. Right? <laughs> <laughs> that's I mean that's why now I'm so familiar in the post. I like to back that booty up, Philly. Like give me a little, sh- give you a little, little shimmy shake. Yeah, and so that journey of those six to eight weeks was like it was uh, i was so nervous cuz i couldn't do any of the things that i was supposed to be doing as a guard so i would say i was the opposite i was like
0: i was came in as a shooter i got recruited to nyu like and if i in my freshman year if i even thought about dribbling the ball into the paint they were like dude that is so not your game you're going to get injured get you're going to no, you're, you're going to lose the ball <laughs> you're going to do something stupid yeah. like if you if the only time the ball should leave your hand like towards the basket should either be a shot from the three or just a simple pass into the post to, like, our All-American big. Like, that was yeah, it. Yeah, Like, don't try, and do, don't try to play me. Don't do any of that. So We were a complete opposite. I was the opposite. And I had to kind of uh, – Actually, I don't even know if I really ever transformed my game in college to, like, the inside game. I mean, I had a couple. Wow, if we would have but. transformed our games into one human, we would have been a Mega Man. <laughs> 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 we were just on the other side of the country, so we yeah, just yeah. had no idea. But – um so, okay, talk, like, tell me the story, too, because I, I, I know you, when we went back to Spokane and went to, Whit, to the Whitworth game the other, uh, what was this, three months ago or whatever, Whitworth was playing Whitman. Yeah, Battle of the Wits. Battle of the Wits, and <clears throat> you were pointing at different coaches. This coach um, was there when I was there. This guy taught me this or whatever. Yeah. Um, walk me through kind of like your last year, because it was, you only, You played two years. Yeah. So I don't want to say only, because you made some pretty, <laughs> some pretty big strides in two years. Um, but you ended up getting cut. Yep. Got cut. So kind of walking through that last, that last year, that last season, highs, lows, anything.
1: Yeah. I'll just start by saying, um, that was the best, that was probably the best year that I can think of because, uh, when you, when you put so much into something as I did, uh, in the weight room and on the basketball court and changing my game, like it, uh, like sports or not like if you put your or you're all into something for a long time and you see the benefits start to pay off mm-hmm. it's it's inc- it's an incredible feeling uh, and I and I kind of feel that now with my uh with my renovation or, or literally anything anything that you decide to do but relationships relationships exactly um but it was such a good year because i I was just progressing so much and by by the so our sophomore year Uh, Our sophomore season ended, and we were we were playing in open gyms. Right, we were still still just working and still um, playing against each other. And I remember the head coach, who actually played at Lehigh, okay, who recruited C.J. McCollum to Lehigh.
0: Okay, I remember you telling me this. Yeah,
1: who played uh, in high school here at Mercer Island, and who uh, his his grandpa. Ed Pepple, Coach Ed Pepple's like the best uh, high school basketball coach in the state of Washington ever. So uh, he he's well known in the basketball community both here and elsewhere. But he was my coach, Matt Logie, and I remember I remember him head saying coach. at he was my head coach at Whitworth.
0: And he was the same guy that went and recruited McCollum. Yeah, when gotcha. he was at Lehigh. Gotcha. Yeah.
1: Um, so he, I remember him coming up to me in. Uh, as it's starting to get hot at Whitworth, right? This is this is May in so Spokane after the sophomore season. He said to me, "I'll never forget this. You're gonna. We're looking at you as being our seventh man this year." And those, I hung on to those words like, like I was like being strangled, hanging on to my last breath. Like I. Every every day I thought about those words. I'm gonna right. be the seventh man. I'm gonna be the seventh man because I was huge. I was I was a walk on bitch, right? I was <laughs> I was warming up the bench for the boys who came off and came out of the game, and that was kind of my first glimpse into into actually really playing meaningful minutes. Yeah. Um, and so sure enough, that summer, uh, sophomore to junior year, oh boy. Let's ramp up the work ethic. Let's ramp up the muscles. I was hitting the freaking gym. I was doing yeah. everything I could. Uh, I was like, I was. We were all handed these these uh, these workout booklets of strength workouts and conditioning workouts. I'm sure you're familiar with those as well. Yeah. And I was sticking to that religiously. Which uh, is not which not everyone does. Not not everyone
0: sticks to those religiously. <laughs> like you kind of get them in like an email from like the trainer, and they're like do these box things and you're just yeah. like I'll just go play my buddy <laughs>
1: yeah. uh, so you stuck to it religiously oh my gosh yeah and uh, and I was living at home still and I was going to Belby club working out doing all this doing all the workouts and I get to campus junior year and uh, and by that time I'm starting to you know become actually good friends with the with the team. Because uh, my confidence was high. Me and Lucas weren't friends with anyone on the team, really, freshman sophomore year. Because we were just kind of viewed as the outcasts, the outcast walk-ons. But junior year, I came in, I was feeling good. I was looking good, I was playing good, and we were starting to be friends with everyone. And then I remember the second day I got on campus, uh, coach texted me and said, hey, can you come to my office? I was like, "Yeah, sure thing, you know expecting have you guys been practicing at all uh no not yet because everyone's like still getting to campus and stuff okay okay
0: so this yeah this isn't even like this isn't even two days into like this isn't like october 17th no this is like this is like right on the beginning of the
1: year yeah exactly okay like a lot of the students weren't even on campus yet and so i show up to his office and uh both the head coach matt Logie, who i mentioned is there sitting behind his desk and then Coach Damian Jablonski is there. He's the assistant coach, and he is the current Whitworth coach. So when we went and saw a game a yeah. couple months ago, okay, he okay. was the head coach that we saw. Yeah. He, he got he got promoted. Uh, and I sit down, and it's just tense, man. It's tense in that room. And I'm thinking, what's going Dude, on? I don't think I've
0: ever walked. I don't think I ever walked into my head coach's office and not thought to myself, "This is tense." Like I'm just like not on edge, yeah. you know. Like yeah. it could have been. It's not like a, yeah, go ahead, sorry. He's your boy, right, at that point. Like, your coach is your homie, and you're, well, yeah. you shouldn't be tense, you know? He said, well, yeah, I mean, we could get into that, too, but our our head coach wasn't always our boy. I mean, he was, our assistant coaches were our boys. Mm-hmm. But, like, our head coach, there was always, like, that sort of, like, buffer of, like, are, what what is, like, what are, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. we had, like, mutual respect, but it was always just kind of, like, you knew you he, he kind of controlled your life in a way. Yeah. I mean, how yeah. you felt about practice, how you felt about games, if you got time. Yeah. Stuff like that. So it was, I don't know. I always walked in there feeling a little tense
1: myself. Oh, okay. Okay. So I sit on the couch and they cut right to the chase. They say, Kyle, we we over-recruited and there's not enough room for you on the team. And so you, you're going to have to, you're... you're your spot's been taken, and you're no longer on the team. And uh, and they said we we already told, or we're going to tell Lucas right after you. Uh, and we're going to tell one other walk on. The other walk on was <laughs> Big Dan. Dan was a seven footer. And uh, they were just going to throw a seven. I know that's w- what a waste. At least put him in the paint and just keep his hands up. Seriously. You know? What is this guy thinking? <laughs> I know.
0: It's a D three school. You can have as many guys on the team as you want.
1: I know. I know. I don't. I don't get it. But uh, I've. I've never. I've never been so disappointed and let down. I remember. I could not stop crying. And you know, when you're, you're in one of those moods. Last where, time like, you cried. What was that? The last time you cried. No, dude. I'm <laughs> such a big softy. Dude. I probably <laughs> cried on my way over here. Um, but, uh, and and coach. Uh, the assistant coach dublonski at that time, he he started crying too. And coach Coach Logie, uh, he didn't start crying, but he uh, it looked like he started to get emotional. And the re- I, was, I always think back to this, and, and like, why did they get emotional, right? Like I'm, I, I was never close with any of them. Right. I was just basically a practice player who every once in a while, when we were up thirty, I would get to go in for probably. Minute, maybe less. Like, I had once checked in at 17 seconds left in the game. It was just embarrassing. Like, I just didn't, almost didn't even want to go in. Dude, I, okay, we, let's talk about this for a second because
0: this was always a point of conflict. Because at NYU, I would, I mean, I don't know if I've ever gone through my career with you and I'm not going to start doing it now, but like, for the most part, my career was like up and down, right? Like, certain times I would, like, my sophomore year is a great microcosm of that. Worked my ass off. Uh, during my freshman to sophomore year, like lost weight, got like just really good ball handling wise, shooting wise. I was working out like every day, like basically in like a humid ass field house mm-hmm. with guys around my uh, my neighborhood from back home who were like all college guys. All the way to basically become a starter
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, for like the first semester. And then someone got someone transferred in yeah. who was like, don't get me wrong, he nasty. was a killer nasty. Like <laughs> started driving like 20 points a game. And then all of a sudden, I went from, like, being a starter to getting 15, 15 seconds, like, at, 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 in some games. And I always thought getting put in with those last 15 seconds was, like, some of the most, in, like, I hated that. Yeah, me too. I was, and it wasn't about, like, oh, like, I don't want my stats to look good because the average is going to go down. It wasn't ever about that. It was about, like, don't, like, don't give me pity seconds. Like, yeah. I want to I fucking earn my time on the court. Exactly. Don't, like, just throw me in to throw me in. And we, there were a couple discussions on the bench that were, oh, like, some guys were like, no, like, I want to get in. Like, you, you don't understand, like.
1: Even for that amount of time?
0: Yes, because there was another guy who was, like, a walk-on and, like, worked his way up to be, as cap, be a captain within, like, three years. But he was always of the mindset. He was like, I worked my ass off. I want to at least get in the game. Yeah. And I respected that, but it was just, like, that was not the way i thought about it That's i not, see it. that was not yeah. my philosophy at all yeah. like my competitiveness was like i'm gonna fucking earn this like yeah. like put me in like you were already playing me before yeah so it's i mean <clears throat> to someone who not the labels you was a walk on but someone who walked on Lovers. worked his way up yeah. and then uh it's interesting to hear your perspective on that too because like that was something that always like people always kind of get a little weird about those like last yeah. that last minute yeah and I, I um, thought,
1: I'm with you, man. I thought that was just like embarrassing. I didn't. Yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't about that.
0: Maybe I would have felt differently if I was on like a D1 team and I was a walk on and yeah. I didn't have a scholarship and I knew all the guys were like, you know, going to be like playing overseas or like NBA guys and I'm playing yeah. behind them. But I don't know. Something about like <clears throat> it just yeah, it just was different. I don't know. Yeah. Um. Wait, we kind of gone on a tangent here. But uh, I like that you're, you're able to share your, your story about um, being cut, not because I want you to bring that up, but just because it's,
1: mm-hmm.
0: It I think it just shows that there's so many highs and lows throughout like people's careers, whether it's sports wise or career wise. And the fact that, you know, you can even kind of take that and maybe use like the last two years to like really kind of catapult yourself
1: or kind of like use those sort of like failures I'll say. Yeah. Uh, it makes I, you resilient having those dips, right? Like, absolutely. You can probably say the same thing, right? Because, because that, uh, you started to get more PT and you worked your ass off and then that transfer came in and then you got 15 seconds plenty of time. Dude, that sucks. That's, that's, that's a plummet into the Valley, right? But because you had that, like that prepares you for future resiliency down the road as a, as a, as a human. Um, but yeah, that that moment of me sitting in the office crying with, with with the coach, with the assistant coach, and that was just a very memorable moment. And I think they were crying, Joe, because I was the hardest worker that they've ever had, and I say that with Long utter doc. utter confidence. Like I know that. Um, I but, believe it. I mean, I see it. Like they they would <clears> kick <throat> me out of the gym. Um, I I fell asleep in the gym like multiple times after workouts, like. By my sophomore year, I mean that's the best basketball player I'll ever be, right? Just because I worked so freaking hard. After practice, me and Lucas would just like get after it for a second session. Like we would, we worked our asses off. So I think that's why they they uh, they were so emotional with me. And uh, and I asked Lucas and Dan, Big Dan, if they if they like how their sessions went because I knew what was going to happen. And they were sad. They're like, you know, we got we were, got cut. Um, but they were like, yeah, it, it took us it, the whole meeting itself with the coaches probably lasted two minutes. And I was in that office with them for like, I think probably an hour. Really? But yeah. So like, it just, and by the end of it, like the head coach, Matt Logie, who's now a Division <clears throat> one coach, I don't whatever know where are. he is. Okay. Um, but he was like, Kyle, I, I know you're, you're going to be great in whatever you choose to do one day. And uh, I will re- I will write you a letter f- of recommendation at any point for any company. Wow! And at that time, I was just like, "Shut, dude! I don't give a flying <laughs> fook. Don't try and console me! Like, <laughs> I don't need that." Yeah. Um, but uh, not as like a sophomore
0: in- or a junior in
1: college, or yeah. And so I, anyway, I, yeah,
0: I, I honestly, resented him. Have you ever asked for a letter of
1: recommendation? No. <laughs> I resented him. Just keeping in the back, back pocket, <laughs> which I might use, right? Like, um, and I almost actually did ask for one when I applied for a job at the Soft, but I didn't. Uh, so anyway, that's a, that's a story. From-
0: I love that. Well, also, I mean, I know I kind of ribbed you a little bit for being for your ranking in Washington, but I mean, I have to say that you haven't even brought up the fact that he. You, uh, I think you, you're ahead in the series on a, on between you and I, one, between one on one. So, <laughs> fuck the ranking. You're, you're still killing me one on one. So, uh. um, yeah, clearly you've come a long way since uh, not
1: being able to hit the rim. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I could now. I haven't, I haven't shot a ball in a couple of weeks, man. Really? Yeah. the The hoop at my house is constantly packed with people, and I don't want to risk. Uh, like quarantine, social distancing. Right. All
0: right. Yeah. Let's use, let's use that as our last little, uh, breaking off point for, for this pod and then we can wrap it up. But
1: can I tell one more Whitworth basketball story? Yeah,
0: absolutely. Go ahead.
1: This, this one's going to be quick, but I'm really proud of this one. If you,
0: if I allow you to share this, you have to promise to, uh, share the next TikTok dance that
1: you're going to do. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm playing, I've been practicing my transitions. I think transitions are safe. So that's the TikTok video I'm going to send you. Once Transition. Okay. Yeah. But anyway, I haven't made it yet, but that's what I'm thinking for the TikTok dance. Okay, quick Whitworth basketball story. Um, it was the weekend that the Oregon schools were coming up to play us. So that's Pacific, and that's Lewis and Clark. I thought you were talking about Oregon Ducks. Yeah, we were just playing <laughs> the Oregon Ducks. No big deal. <laughs> Peyton Pritchard made him a bitch. <laughs> So Kenny, Kenny Wuvin, Jordan Bell, the the Oregon schools were coming up, and it was a Friday Saturday. So uh, I think I don't know who we played what night. Let's say we played Pacific on that Friday night. Okay. My parents came up to watch the games, so they were in the stands, and uh, we were sure enough we were up thirty on them. We were a good team. We were constantly ranked, I'd say, in the top. Probably 15 in the nation, and so we were up on. Him. We were giving them a smackdown, and I kept looking up at the stands at my mom, my dad, and my little brother because they picked they picked a good a good weekend to come. Right, like yeah. if we're up 30, uh, I called myself the human cigar because you can start lighting <laughs> it up because you know you know when I go in, it's it's a win. And so I was getting ready to go in. 30 is the magic number, and uh, and sure enough. Coach Logie starts starts calling. He starts looking towards the end of the bench. Yep. Lucas, he gets up. He subs in the game. Big Dan, you big, big seven, seven footer Dan. Get your big ass in there. He's he's freaking waddling his way to the <laughs> scores table, and uh, and then the other uh, I don't I can't call them scholarship guys because D three doesn't have scholarships. But the, yeah. the guys who actually played but or who were like recruited the starting
0: five. Yeah.
1: So they started going in too, and uh, and. I mean, loop. the start.
0: You mean the guys who were started coming out?
1: Sorry, yeah. Yeah, okay. The guys who recruited uh, in the starting five started to come out. And then guys who recruited but just didn't play a lot started going in. Right. And I, I, I drew the short stick. I didn't end up going in. And I remember that same feeling of embarrassment. But even worse is not even going in while the one weekend my parents visited. Yeah. Um, And they knew. They knew the circumstances. <clears throat> And so I was just distraught. Um, I remember um, after the game, I gave him a hug and I said, "Thanks for coming." And uh, you know, I'm excited to see you tomorrow. And we'll go out for lunch or whatever. We'll hang out, and then we have another game on Saturday. So I said I I bid them farewell, and I remember I stayed in the gym that night, and I and I think I. I just hooped until like 2 a.m. And I remember the lights eventually went out in the field house. So this is not the, this is not Graves, the 100-year-old plus. Yeah, yeah, this, yeah. Is, this is the actual uh, game day facility. And so the field house lights go out. And Bill, the security guard, Bill is the homie. Uh, he's he's kind of waddling over. He had a big old belly. And he goes, how much longer are you going to be here, Kyle? And I was like, honestly, Bill, I don't know. But if you wouldn't mind, can I just have my own time? He goes, absolutely. I'll turn, uh, I'll turn half the lights on, on the court. And once he, once he left, I shot some more. And I just remember sitting at half court, like looking up at the stands and being like, what am I doing? Like, I put all this work in and my parents come and I just get embarrassed like that. And and not to mention all my friends are in the stands and they knew what was going on too. Am I even on the team? You know, like, mm-hmm. is this worth it? All this time I put in—it's I put in a lot, a lot of hours every day into this. And so I finally go to bed. Um, and the next day, it was like Saturday morning. Yeah, this is now Saturday morning. The next day, the other organ school comes up, and we're playing I'm mean, Sure enough, we're up thirty again. And uh, I—I'm so nervous. I'm thinking don't look at coach look straight ahead look straight ahead don't act like you want it you know act cool, act cool, act cool. <laughs> and he calls me up and uh he actually gives me some time um, more than 17 seconds more than 17 seconds there's there's i would say i don't actually remember this we can look at the game footage but uh i think there's about two minutes left are you giving me homework to do <laughs> no no <laughs> this, this is not going to exist anywhere trust me uh, i'm gonna go find it um <laughs> And uh, go get a synergy account. (laughs) (laughs) I actually have the game footage. That's sick. uh, It's in my basketball box. Okay, Um, don't let me distract you. Go ahead. So you get you get a couple minutes. I get a couple minutes. Two, three, four minutes. Uh, I think it was a a couple, maybe. But uh, I end up scoring nine points that next in that in this game, Um, and uh, I'm bummed because I missed a free throw. I would have came out with double digits. Um, but, uh, God, your per 40 stats must've been, (laughs) (laughs) I do it for the stats. Uh, but anyway, it was just, it was just a, a, a truly a magical moment because it, it was just like, it felt like it was out of a movie. Like I was just in the, I was just like, I had this like moment to myself of like, what am I doing? Like, why am I doing this? Uh, putting in the hours, the the gym went dark, you know, and and just taking all the all these emotions in. And during the game, I, I was just on fire. I don't know what happened. Yeah. Um, I'm excited to go back and look at the footage because I I legitimately Dude. thought I airballed two jump shots, but it, they ended up going in. Dude, when you get in
0: those zones of being like slightly unconscious, it's like probably it's, one of the greatest feelings ever. Like you just are like floating. Yeah, it's, it's wild. Yeah. Um, okay, well, I have to ask you, and then we can talk about the quarantine because you brought it up. <clears throat> You mentioned your dad mm-hmm. a couple times. Uh, you said you've been blessed with him. Uh, remind me of his name again. Sean. Sean. Uh, I'm assuming that's the one you're talking about in in the stands. Mm-hmm. Okay. Can you dive in a little bit? Like, did he ever help you in the basketball world? Did he ever help you, like, in career-wise? Like, what's kind of like been his role? Because I, I mean, I don't know if you want to share, but you have like a pretty unique sort of um,
1: mm-hmm. dynamic with your parents with your, with your father. Okay, yeah, so I was born in New York. And, uh... Ayo, Ayo. Uh, I... The birth creator, as I call him, ditched at a young age. And then my mom took myself... She took us to Seattle, because that's we weird family. And then she met my dad, Sean, at, when I was probably five. Uh, he adopted... They got married, he adopted me. So now he's... He's my official dad, even though we're not, uh, genetically linked. Yeah. Linked. Uh, but in the basketball world, like, he, uh he early on he would just come out and shoot hoops with me like play horse a little bit Mm -hmm. did he Um, play growing up or no no um and then he would take me to all my practices and games and and so to that standpoint i i he helped you know and he, he without him i wouldn't have been able to do it but he didn't guide me you know he didn't uh in terms of like my jump shot, or yeah, no, or not. I don't anything. mean like coaching wise, but I just mean like, yeah, like, but, he, but he was
0: there for the supportive side, and for like, sure. Like he was you there. You wanted to like kind of, not like show out, but like you wanted to kind of like almost like I don't know what the right word is, but like when he's in the stands, it's like yeah, like I wanted to get in for him, like I wanted him, yeah. to see, I wanted him to see me play, type of thing.
1: Yeah, it, yeah, it was, it was for both of my mom and my dad. But, yeah, uh, but yeah, he he definitely enabled me and uh, helped me through
0: the way. Yeah, no, it's just, <clears throat> the reason I asked that is because I remember you, when, when, when you said it, made me re- it made me remember of a couple times uh, that, and hopefully I don't like bore you with this story, but um, in high school, I used to do the same sort of thing. I was pretty close with the janitor. Oh. And I was, I mean, my family had the fortune enough to like move to this really nice high school and like a nice public school area in Jersey. Was it a public school? Yeah, it was public school, but I'm saying, uh, like, it was a nice area in Jersey. Um, Jersey. And so, my dad, we we lived literally two blocks away from the school, Mm -hmm. from the high school. And um, my dad, he wakes up at ridiculous hours of the night. Like, I don't think he ever has had, like, a normal sleep schedule. Um, And so, he would always, like, when I started to get really serious about, like, trying to get recruited, and I was doing, like, AAU. I mean, I was always a serious basketball player, but, like, there's a certain time where I kind of like was like, okay, I gotta commit myself to this. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like, hey, like, do you wanna? And I basically told him like, I gotta start like working out more. I gotta get shots up in the in you know in the morning or whatever. And he's like, okay, like you tell me when you wanna go, and I'll go with you. I like a rebound, and I was like, all right, cool. So like, um, there were many many mornings where I did not want to wake up, and he would mm-hmm. come to me at like four forty five, five o'clock. Four forty five. Well. Well, first, yeah, first time he hits me on the shoulder, like, let's go. Jeez. So, cause, cause our school started at 7.15. Uh, so okay. he would wake me up 4.45, 5 o'clock, I think. It's probably like 5 o'clock. I won't give myself that much credit, right. but it was like 5 o'clock. And by the time we would get to the gym, it'd be like 5.25, 30, We'd be lacing him up. Like we had like the, um, the janitor would like let us in or whatever. Or he like this, the doors would be unlocked. I mean, it was, right. you know, I don't know what how many, ever many years ago, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years ago. Yeah where it, schools weren't such high security probably right. like they are now. Right. And the janitor, I would just ask him, hey, can you flip on the lights? He would do it. And we would just shoot for like an hour and then come back, shower, and then I'd walk back out of school. But it brings me to the point of like when your parents show up in the stands mm-hmm. and you don't get in,
1: mm-hmm.
0: man, that drove me, it wasn't like, didn't drive me crazy, but it was just like this sort of like, like, fuck, like he, my dad spent all this time with me Driving me to games, showing up to, like, not only driving me to games, but, like, showing up early in the morning, waking me up, rebounding for me. And I'll never forget, my dad had a business trip in, uh, this was in college, my freshman year. Business trip in, in, like, Houston or Dallas. And we, the same weekend, NYU had flown to Chicago to play you Chicago. It was a Friday night, and I had no idea that he was even really, I knew he was in Texas, but I had no yeah. idea he was going to come up to the game. So all of a sudden I mean I'm in Chicago I'm thinking I'm like on this trip by myself and like next thing I know I'm like bored on the bench and I'm like <laughs> I'm like scanning the scanning like the uh, the bleachers or whatever and I see my dad there
1: no way and I'm like
0: what the hell is my dad doing here like I thought he said he was in Texas yeah and so anyway um, I'm a freshman not getting any time and I remember thinking to myself I was just so embarrassed like the whole game I was like he shouldn't have come. Like he didn't need to come. Like he knows yeah. I'm not playing. And it was just like this this whole thing where I just I told him after the game like Dad, like you really don't need to like spend money anymore like on coming to my games like especially when in their away games like you don't need to do that. He's like, well, it's a business trip, off blah. I'm like, I know, I know, but like I feel bad. Like I haven't gotten in. And uh, he just kind of was like, that's not why I'm here. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I'm not here unless like if you get in, great. But like I'm not like here because of that. You know? Yeah. Like I'm not like. I didn't fly up here just to like see you get twenty seconds, and I'm like, well, good because I didn't get any time. <laughs> but uh, no, it's just cool to hear that. You it's know, an amazing story. Those sort of stories, yeah, like you kind of have your own in your own right. Like you sitting in the middle of Half Court after that night, just kind of like reflecting and being like, yeah. Uh, but so it's
1: amazing, dude.
0: It's uh, I mean, you and I are blessed, right? Like yeah. we're just blessed to have those sort of like father figures in our life that are supportive and, and help with those things. But I just kind of wanted to give give props to my. To my pops a little bit and shout uh, out shout out to Ed. Uh, okay, but last thing, quarantine. Yeah. Uh, give me some, give me some rundown on like what the hell you're doing on a day to day basis to stay Beasis. sane. Beasis. <laughs> on a day to day basis because
1: I know I'm losing my sanity. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, probably why we're doing this. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> so what I'm doing to keep my sanity, I'll start by saying. I've lost a lot of my sanity. <laughs> uh, but in whatever attempts I can to bring that back, um, I just try and uh, I know that I personally work well off of habits and rituals. And so I've been, I've been trying to do things like um, drink three of these water bottles every day or do four and a half minutes of planks every day or do 100 push-ups every simple things like make breakfast did i make lunch for myself did i make dinner for myself uh make your bed make my bed is That's one of them. the thing i always do in the morning yeah. prescription putting on my prescription is one of them and so um in order to make sure i'm actually like doing these habits um i've just made this sounds like really nerdy but i've just made a little spreadsheet where i just track them every day so every day in the On the far left in a spreadsheet, I'll just mark the day. And then, um, the habits are in columns and I just put an X if I've done it. Um, are they like like full with X's now or are you? Uh, no, like I definitely don't do them all every day. Um, just because I'm I'm human, right? But like, uh, I, I do find though, Joe, that the, the days where I feel the best are the days where I have the most X's. Um, and so trying to do that and, uh, I'm trying to just like stay in touch with people. Just call, FaceTime, whatever it may be. Yeah, and some TikTok here and there. Some tech talk, what about you? <laughs> um,
0: my ritual has been there's like a little loop about a mile and a quarter
1: mm-hmm.
0: that I try to wake up and do every single day. Did it this morning. Did it yesterday, um, and it just it helps me be like, okay, I'm leaving my apartment. Yeah. I'm at least taking 15, 20 minutes to myself to like listen to a podcast or today I didn't, I didn't put on anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just walked and just kind of like allowed myself to really just kind of think. For sure. Um, sometimes I'll stop in at the coffee shops, but most of the time I just kind of do my loop and, and start my day. But um, that's been super helpful. I try to make my bed, go for the walk, uh, do like little tasks, like you said, mm-hmm. brush your teeth. Um, before you came over and we started doing this, I knew I had to, like, do my dishes. Because mm-hmm. it's, like, almost like when you, you feel things getting cluttered, it's, like, your mind gets cluttered, too, and, like, mm-hmm. you can't think. Mm-hmm. And so I try to, like, do certain things of, like, cleaning or blah, blah, blah. And, and that sounds really freaking boring and old man of me. But um, no man. That that's kind of, like, riding my bike, uh, getting in exercises just to – if I haven't done an exercise, I feel like my mind – Well, Once I do an exercise or I work out during the day, I feel Mm -hmm. like my mind gets sharper and I'm able to kind of clear my head a little bit. So Mm -hmm. those are little rituals, but I will say um, definitely not perfect. And I definitely feel because I've walked around Eastlake, I don't don't know if everyone who listens to this podcast, which will probably be very few people, but – just kidding! Millions <laughs> of people. Well, like I don't know if anyone knows Eastlake, but I feel like I've almost gone like stir crazy within Eastlake. Yeah. It's like I've seen everything I can possibly. You know, see. I've so walked like, every single street. I walked every single block. Like I almost now feel like I have to get out of the neighborhood. Yeah. Um. But yeah, though. That all those little rituals and uh, and the last dance, last I mean, dance, which dude. is on tonight. We look forward to that every Sunday. Every Sunday, I'm gonna be upset that it's actually over. I'd probably just rewatch it. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, well, dude, what a pleasure it's been to uh, have this conversation, actually recorded and, and throw it up on Spotify to get <laughs> Should some. Should we just start recording love.
1: all of our conversations?
0: Yeah. Um, and at the expense of sounding like a summer camp counselor at a basketball camp, <laughs> I hope that anyone who's listening to this, and I'm being, I'm saying this sincerely, I hope anyone who who does listen to this kind of gets to. Uh, to take some of your, what you said to heart, even if they take one thing away, right. From the, this, whatever, however long it is, 45 minutes, an hour, um, to maybe use and kind of enact in their own life or kind of maybe feel grateful about certain things or, or, or try to improve upon. And, uh, that's kind of like, I guess my goal and trying to have you share your story and, and shoot the shit with you. Um, because I think you have some pretty powerful stories, and your mindset is is pretty it's very admirable. So, like I said, at the expense of sounding like a can't I hope someone can take at least one thing away. Yeah, um, and maybe that's just laughter, but
1: uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. So uh, that's kind of well. How thanks I want for it ab- thanks after. for having me on, dude. Um, I I'm a result of a bunch of other people's. Uh, thoughts opinions perspectives and and past I'm I'm just a collection of the people I love around me that's including you so if someone can take something away from me that's great but uh, I'm not a role model (laughs) (laughs) well maybe if this podcast ever gets
0: to episode 100 maybe we'll bring you on for like a centennial yeah yeah, sure sure. (laughs) Sure, (laughs) all right dude much much love much love man